0: Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. The My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is your local source for the latest news and information on fishing Cape Cod. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast here from MyFishingCapeCod.com. I'm your host, Kevin Collins, back at you with another mini version of our MFCC podcast. And we're going to think outside the box, the lobster box, if you will, today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the ancient art of lobstering here on Cape Cod, and we're going to do that with our good buddy Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi, and Bruno is fortunate enough to have a great boat and some pots of his own out in Nantucket Sound, so we're going to pick his brain as to how his catch has been going so far this year, and how he got into lobstering, and where he gets his pots and supplies, and Basically, maybe try to inspire a few folks to give it a whirl this summer. In addition to that, we're going to get a full fluke report from Bruno. As most of you know, he's a big fluke guy and he hasn't yet turned his focus to striped bass. He's focused on black sea bass and now fluke so far this spring and early summer. So we'll get a full Nantucket Sound fluke report out of Bruno as well. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Well, as promised on today's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast, we want to welcome in our good buddy, Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi, and Bruno, sure is a beautiful day out there.
1: It sure is, man. I just got back on land, and the whole ride back through the Sound, you know, was nice and calm, which is rare because if there's any guarantee in life, it's that the Sound side's going to pick up around one o'clock and you get a two-foot chop. Mm. But today just uh, seems like a perfect day back.
0: So I want to back up into the end of last week. Uh, You sent me some photos uh, of lobster. Actually, it was earlier this week. It's been a long week for me. And you were out on the gaviota and looked like you were harvesting your pots. And you had some luck. And we've been kind of teasing uh, the listeners here this year about how you've been, you know, putting these pots out and kind of what you were using for bait. And it looks like you had some
1: major success earlier this week. Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was probably my best call yet. We went out there and we ended up. Uh, I only have four traps, but we ended up four for four, and ended up with eight lobsters, and three were females. Those went back, and uh, we went home with five nice two two pound, two and a half pound lobsters.
0: And were you uh, able to eat those guys, or did you gift them? What'd you do with them?
1: Uh, we don't gift lobsters. Those get gifted right into me and my kids' bellies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, you know, we don't talk a lot about lobstering, but it's it's a great thing to do here on Cape Cod, and there's so many ways you can do it. And I know there's a lot of folks that even keep traps in the canal. I see them tied off in all different sorts of ways. and. I don't know. It's just it's a great resource. We spend a lot of time talking about stripers and blues and tuna and fluke and all the different other fish. Sea bass. We just spent a month on. I just wanted to you know take a minute to talk about the lobster fishery. And did you notice any kind of common denominators uh, with where you dropped your pots and and why do you think they were successful?
1: Um, I mean, I generally what I what I do is split them all up, and whichever pot seems to be um harvesting the best then i'll move all the pots around that one Mm. but this particular season i was able to find them on a uh, area where it's like 40 feet of water that moves up to 18 feet of water in the structure and that's kind of where you want to be um but be careful don't drop them you don't want to drop them in like a well-known place like the tire reef or the Harwich reef because guys are that's a well-known fishing spot and people will tangle up into your lines and cut them and uh, you're on the bluesom so you want to try stay in a area where there's not as much uh, boat traffic mm. um, and uh, and just you know the, the key to it is you gotta you gotta be able to get on the water and check them every week you know mm. um, or at least every two weeks if you have to but uh whoever wants to get into it, it's it's a great way to check them on the way in and and uh, utilize every bit of your catch. So I might fillet my catch on the way in and just take the racks and the heads and stick those in the bait bag of my lobster pot so that, you know, nothing goes to waste.
0: Yeah, I was just going to ask you about your bait bags on these pots that yielded such a, a good catch. I know you've talked on past podcasts, Bruno, about using kind of the pieces of uh, old you know fillets that that you've done, whether it's sea bass fillet or or, or haddock or or fluke. Uh, did you did you have a, a specific recipe in in these bags? Was it old sea bass skin? What was in there?
1: It was uh, bluefish head, sure. bluefish racks, um, sea bass head, sea bass racks. Mm. Um, and if I have absolutely no bait, if I like, for instance, if I don't go fishing. And I got nothing to put in them, but I need to check them because it's been a few days. Believe it or not, I'll go buy a salmon head from Stopping Shop because they're only like two bucks. Mm. And I'll stick that in there Yeah. until I go fishing again. And then I could put local stuff in there, you know.
0: Yep. And, and um, Bruno, when you're talking about, uh, you know, the, the structure that you're putting these pots on there, they're on like a little bit of a ridge from 20 to, I'll say, 40 feet of depth. Can you just explain a little bit what else that you're looking for out there other than staying away from, you know, the fleet or a well-known spot? You're looking for some structure. Are you looking for, like, rocky bottom, sandy bottom? You know, are, are there any other tips that you could give people for where a good spot to drop is?
1: Well, they definitely like rocks, mm. and, and, and they like structure, not so much sand. Um, you know, like, a lot of people will drop their pots around, like, Bishop and Clark's and go drop them, you know, outside of Bass River and Hyannis Harbor. Um, mine are closer to where I am in Harwich, mm. but it's, it's basically like 40 feet, 30 feet of water, and there's like a hole in the middle where it's like 10 feet. And that tells me the structure down there is something there. I just kind of put my traps around that 10 foot mark in the 30 foot mark. And, um, and then you've got to play around with it. But once once you find them, then you can put all your pots around there, and, and that's when you start really capitalizing on it.
0: And can you talk a little bit about – I know you mentioned uh, it started off as a little bit of a project. Uh, you do it with your kids. It's a great way to spend time with your kids, and the kids help you, you know, bait uh, the pots and, and drop the pots, and it's a little bit of a – a rite of passage from you to your children, which I think is awesome. But talk a little bit about uh like how you got the pots even in the first place.
1: How I got the lobster pots? Yeah. So what what there's two places you can buy the pots. One is uh my buddy's down at Riverview, Lee. If you go see him, he could basically put the whole pot together and and the lines mm-hmm. and, everything and he'll show you how to how to use them and what the rules and regulations are and he's the one-stop shop Uh, you could also go to uh, my friends down at uh, Cape Fisherman Supply in Chatham Mm. Um, and that's kind of where most of the commercial guys go to get their stuff and they'll also rig your lines for you and have it ready so you can basically uh, throw them overboard and, and, and start fishing
0: all right so it's been a big week for the Gaviota. It got on the lobsters early in the week and you just sent me a couple great photos of you and it looks like the fluke have arrived and, and you found them. Talk a little bit about your morning this morning.
1: Yeah, we pushed off the dock pretty early this morning at 5:15 and headed down to um, the Nantucket Shoals. Um, if anybody wants to know you know kind of where I was. Uh feel free to private message me on the forums and I'll give you some tips. Um but uh we headed down to the shoals and we uh brought some local bait with us. It was it was mucky water after the storm so they weren't seeing any of the jigs. So we had to bait pretty heavily. Mm. And because we had to bait pretty heavy we ended up on a lot of dogfish. But once we got through the dogfish, we used a lot of uh, local mackerel strips and local squid that we caught in the fall and sand deals, um, which I could touch on later, but there's a huge, huge amount of sand deals on the Cape right now, which is a first in a few years. But um, we baited them pretty hard and we dropped them down. We used a bunch of the monomoy tackle that my cousin sells, and uh, we ended up with um, six keepers, um, the majority was around 19 to 20 inches, uh, but the picture I sent you were the two big boys of the day, complete doormats, 28 and 29 inch fluke, hmm. and they were weighing in at eight pounds.
0: Yeah, these these are beautiful, beautiful fish, and I'm sure you're going to have a feast out of these guys, right? Yeah, we're going to stake them. Nice. That's the
1: best way to do it, in my opinion. I don't like to flame them. I just stake them and... You, you you get a lot more out of the fish, the beautiful fish.
0: So talk a little bit about this biomass of sand eels you're running into out there. Your yes. eyes and ears out there, you're seeing a lot of
1: bait? There is a ton of sand eels on Cape Cod this year. So I think um, green is your go-to color this year if you're going to buy any kind of lure. Sure. Um, the sand eels out east of Chatham are thick. The sand eels south and out in Monomoyer thick. Uh, I know that there was a ton of sand deals up in P-Town. I know that the mackerel chasing sand deals. Mm. I, I haven't seen sand deals like this in a while. i seen a bunch of bunker, though, That's which is weird. But maybe that's just my luck. I haven't seen much bunker. The bunker is actually the best lobster bait, but I haven't bumped into them yet.
0: Well, if I get some uh, peanut bunker or not peanut bunker, but full size bunker, uh, the adult, you know, giant pogies, the the football shaped pogies,
1: I'll
0: make sure to save some of them for your lobster traps. Because
1: oh yeah, it'd be great, man. Load them up, load them up, and uh, freeze them. And if I get some lobsters off of it, I'll throw them you away.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, we usually get you know a good steady couple weeks of of that fishery happening in front of my house down here, and it's been kind of hit and miss the last couple years, Bruno. Sometimes you'll get bass under them, and you can tell, obviously, when the bass are under them, because they're panicking up on the surface jumping out of the water, but last year I didn't see a heck of a lot of that, so I'm hoping that's what we see this year.
1: Yeah, let's hope so.
0: And in terms of striper, Bruno, I know that you know you're not necessarily targeting them yet you're you're working on your traps you were heavy into sea bass now you're into fluke but what are you hearing about stripers or are you seeing any when you're poking around out there checking your pots
1: yeah there's this this slot fish and keep the stripers down a little little um shoal and um stone horse mm. uh you gotta work your way through the 27 inch fish 26 inch fish but there are some 30s and 29s mixed in and i'm planning on doing that tomorrow actually it's okay. going down tomorrow more Got it. and um you know I'm, I'm gonna start off trolling anything green really mm. uh, just because of the such a large presence of sandals which is great but they get finicky when they're on such small bait like that, you
0: know. Last but not least, Bruno, we're in the heart of the summer season. It's hard to believe it, but we're three-quarters of the way through June. Memorial Day feels like it was forever ago, and we're a lot closer to the 4th of July holiday. What's going on down at uh, Cape and Islands, Mitsubishi? Anything
1: good? Yeah, we finally got new inventory of the 2022 Outlander end, which uh, was delayed due to the big short, uh, shortage of chips That is the global problem. But we finally got a big truckload of them. If you're in the market for an SUV and you want to save 8000 bucks and not buy a Toyota or a Honda, you got to check out the all-new Mitsubishi Outlander. All
0: right, Bruno. We will take that into consideration. My man, I might be in the market for a car before I know it. I feel like mine's getting a little bit long on the tooth.
1: Sounds good, man. Keep us in mind.
0: All right, Bruno. Thanks so much for sharing all this intel with us. And we look forward to catching up with you next week.
1: You got it, guys. Tight lines.
0: A big thanks to Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands, Mitsubishi for sharing some of his day with us. As he mentioned, he just got off the water. So really appreciate Bruno fitting us in. Great to see that he's had an awesome week catching some lobster and fluke, plenty of fresh seafood in the Demir household this week. That's for sure. Hope everybody enjoyed today's podcast. As always, feel free to leave us feedback in the forum or in the comment section of the podcast thread itself. And that's going to put the wraps on today's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. This is your host, Kevin Collins, signing off. And until we chat again, tight lines and take care.
1: Thanks for tuning in to
0: the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. For the latest local news information and fishing reports, be sure to log on to myfishingcapecod.com. From all of us at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and
1: take care.